0: This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Steelers, Ravens, Sunday at Heinz Field. That's all you need to say. Anybody who is even remotely familiar with football knows the stakes that are on the line when these two teams meet up. Honestly, Tom, I got a little bit of butterflies when you said it. So... Everybody nationally gets excited about this game, right? Like, when they turn on CBS at 425 p.m. on a Sunday, and this is Tony Romo, Jim Nance, Game of the Week, like, you get a little extra juice even if you're a Green Bay Packers fan in Lambeau Field, right? Like If you're a football fan. You just know that that you're going to see a game that it's going to be a little bit of a throwback. There's going to be a lot of heavy hitting, and for the most part, you're probably going to see a one-score game. So I think a lot of fans just around the league appreciate this type of a rivalry like when packers bears show up on sunday night football is there even really that much excitement anymore because the bears are just so bad
1: the nfl does a good job of saying oh look at this the longest rivalry in all of football look at all these historic moments and ghosts of george hallis exactly vince
0: lombardi walk the fields of the frozen tundra and soldier field in chicago when was the last time that rivalry was actually competitive. Probably when Cutler took the Bears to the NFC Championship game and lost to the Packers in that NFC Championship game. In Chicago. Yeah. So that was probably the last, because I think he got them in the regular season that year. So,
1: But let's not forget, even, even with home field advantage in
0: the NFC Championship game, it was still the Packers winning. And just... And aside for that, what's hilarious, Jay Cutler, like, tore his ACL in that game and was, like, riding the bike, try- right. trying to get I back. I do
1: remember that.
0: And Bears fans after the game were crucifying him, saying, oh, my God, how do you not play out that game? And how do you not come back and try to help your team win the NFC Championship game? And then, like, two days after, it was confirmed that he tore his ACL, and it was just like, Oy, egg, on your, egg I, on your face, Bears fans. I
1: don't remember who the backup was. But it was someone. It doesn't really matter. Hard. It
0: was someone who lost to Aaron Rodgers. No Rogers. question.
1: Even if Jay Cutler is healthy, somehow pulls off that upset. And let's not let's not let's not call it for what it not what it isn't. That that's an upset by Chicago if they win that game. I think even if they were favored, everybody was. Expecting I don't even the think Packers. they were favored to be honest.
0: But the Packers won, and then they went on to beat a team in the Super Bowl. I can't remember who that team if it, was. If
1: it's Chicago in that Super Bowl, rolling them. Oh, I think destroying. Jay cutler quits football after that, rolling right?
0: them i think we're rolling them i i, I don't want to talk about that though. that's a very depressing state of affairs oh but now, now as i fast forward to this game it's a very depressing Rashard state of affairs mendenhall went to illinois oh my god i can't get away from these depressing state of affairs and you're bringing up Richard mendenhall i mean what's going on right now this is a sad episode this episode's name should be the sad episode It's going to be sad in Heinz Field on Sunday if you can't neutralize or at least contain Lamar Jackson because, man, is he something special. Not having his best season by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, hell, he was a former MVP after all. Still averages 70 yards per game on the ground. He's got 700 yards on the season so far. That's good for ninth in the NFL total as far as rushing offense is concerned. It's funny, him being number nine and Jalen Hurts being number 10 two quarterbacks are rounding out the top 10 as far as rushing the ball. Gee, has that position changed at all over the past couple of years, mainly due to number eight. But this guy is the man. He's the, the flag bearer for that kind of new prototypical NFL quarterback. And I know Michael Vick was kind of the forefather of this, but Lamar Jackson has taken everything Vick has done and honestly hit the ground running with it and has done everything almost a little bit better than Michael Vick has done in his career. So, you could say Michael Vick walked so Lamar Jackson could run.
1: How about Lamar or Mike Vick ran so Lamar Jackson could fly? Could fly because yeah. he literally
0: looks like he flies down the field right. sometimes. I don't. honestly he moves so fast that sometimes I think for like five yards he glides, like he's just floating in the air because he's that just Is amazing that and he's probably the most fun NFL player to watch. Right? Yes.
1: Cause his, I think Derrick Henry's up there.
0: His improvisational skills, right. though, and, like, it literally looks like sometimes he's playing at lunchtime in recess, just dodging raindrops back there, trying to make anything happen, and he, most of the time he ends up making something happen. So. And you know
1: what else adds to it is the risk.
0: Oh, right? yeah. The, the, the Holding to the ball calls, for three seconds. Right, exactly.
1: But the fourth down plays that they so lovingly go for, even though they have the best kicker in all of football— the entire league's history the amount of times they go for it on fourth and short in opposing territory is because they have so much faith in him to get that extra yardage no matter how they get it they know he can get that extra yard
0: Baltimore on offense runs more plays than any team on average in the league 71.2 plays per game for the Ravens they hold on to the ball more than any team in the NFL they have the best time of possession in the league They've only averaged 14 points per game over their last three games, though. I have seen that. What's the remedy for that? How about a defense that's given up 41 points in each of its last two games? That might, uh, cure, that might that, cure your that, ales. The first
1: time that franchise has done that since 1989, I believe.
0: That might cure a little uh, scoring woes that the Ravens have been running into, maybe, perhaps.
1: What? What? Just on the spectrum, Tom, really quickly, what do you expect? What? what it was more realistic—
0: Toward the 14 end or toward the 40 end? Well, I, and you'll find out in our Fireside Friday episode that mm-hmm. you're here uh, later. When I pick this game, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards like 24, 27. Not that's the score. I mean, total points for the Ravens in this game around that kind of range. So because that's about I, halfway. I expect the Steelers defense to not give up 40 points again. I mean, you would hope so. That would be really, really bad. You never really expect
1: bad. them to give up 40
0: points ever. 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 And then to do it twice in a row. One of them being in an AFC North game. I mean, that's really bad. You cannot do that in an AFC North opponent's house. You can't just lay an egg like that. These games mean extra because they're division games. Excuse me. That second 40-point disaster
1: by the defense was partnered with only 10 points by the offense, yeah. seven of which came in absolute garbage time.
0: So one thing I could see them doing to help try to stop Lamar Jackson is blitzing more, and that's something that the Steelers, say. the Steelers haven't done that at all this year, but you look at the Miami Dolphins and what they were able to do successfully against them. They were blitzing six guys, maybe sometimes as much as seven guys, and it was stymieing Lamar Jackson a little bit. Um, you look at what the Browns did. I, I know the Browns lost the game, but, folks, they gave up 16 points and turned Lamar Jackson over four times. The defense had nothing to do with that loss. That game should have been won by the Browns because of the play of their defense, but their offense was just abysmal, and they could not muster anything more than 10 points in that game. So even looking at the Browns, and they blitzed, and they had Lamar on the ropes a lot, and the pressure caused him to throw four errant passes that were picked off. So I know it hasn't been in your M.O. Mm -hmm. this year, Steelers, and... You've wanted to get home with just four pass rushers because when you can successfully get home with four, you can do so much in the secondary as far as coverage is concerned. It, it makes life impossible for NFL quarterbacks, but you're not successfully getting four home anymore.
1: You and know, you can't toy if, around
0: with just four with this guy.
1: Even if you want to send four, who are the four you're going to send on
0: Sunday? Not likely going to be what with the COVID issue. I, you got me. I mean, that's what I'm saying. To, I, it's just. That is your MO. That Taco is your winning Charlton. formula.
1: And this is this is slightly different from that running offense conversation, right? You know what you can do to win that game, to win any game. Run run the ball with Najee Harris. Typically, the Steelers have been the best blitzing defense over the last, what, five years? They haven't been able to do so. And on top of that, the guys that they now have available to them, you don't even want to send those guys as your blitzers because it's not TJ Watt. It's no longer Melvin Ingram. It's no longer Bud Dupree. It's no longer Tyson Aluoglu. It's no longer Stephon Tuitt.
0: Yeah, it's pretty dire, honestly, and I don't see much faith. We said it in an earlier episode that we did, like, It's hard to really muster up any optimism for this game because there's just no area that the Steelers perform that is necessary to perform in to beat this Baltimore Ravens team. But again, I just send a lot of blitzes. And you used to be Pittsburgh. I mean, you used to be the team that loved to blitz. And for whatever reason, they had this mindset going into the season that they're going to rush for. And I think that that was a great idea when healthy – But injuries happen. You have to expect injuries to happen, and you got to adapt to the injuries. And I just haven't seen any of that yet. I have not seen them adapt to that on the defensive side, and I Mm -hmm. think they're going to have to against Lamar. One thing they're missing this year that they've had in past years against Lamar Jackson is the Bud Dupree aspect, where Dupree's assignment has literally been just to stay with number eight on any RPOs and make sure you put a hit on him no matter what, even if he hands the ball off to Gus Edwards or J.K. Dobbins. Make sure you put him in the dirt. Make him feel you all game long. Maybe he'll start thinking a little extra twice on holding to the ball a little longer in those RPOs as he puts it in the gut of the running back. Maybe maybe he'll get rid of it a little bit faster if he knows that you're going to be bearing down on him all game long. Well, Bud Dupree's in Tennessee now. He's going to be doing that for the Tennessee Titans if they ever face off and play the Baltimore Ravens this year, so... My God, man, is Alex Highsmith ready to step up and be that kind of a guy and be that total Lamar Jackson stopper? Well, I got bad news. He's going to have to probably do a lot more than that because he's going to be elevated to outside linebacker number one this week. So is Taco Charlton going to be the guy that comes in and plays the Bud Dupree role? I don't know. He's not as good or as fast as Bud Dupree. So. Mm That's what's really concerning me is this might be the... I think they've missed Bud a pretty decent amount this year. I think so, too. I think this is the game where it's really going to be evident you missed that guy. I mean, his size and speed is such a rare combination. Not guy, Guys that are that big and can hit that hard aren't usually able to keep up with a Lamar Jackson, and Bud Dupree was able to do that. So they're going to have to try to find another replacement for 48 as far as this game plan is concerned, and I don't see one on the roster. I
1: think on top of the fact that
0: Yeah, you're going to miss
1: what Bud Dupree brought for you when you face the Ravens is the fact that you can't even tell Alex Highsmith to do that because Alex Highsmith has to take on the role of T.J. Watt.
0: In all likelihood, yes, with Watt trying to work his way back from COVID. It's not that you
1: have a guy like T.J. Watt who you can just say, do what you need to do to stop this guy. We don't care how you do it. We trust you and your work ethic, and we're obviously going to work some schemes in as well, but you don't even have that guy. You have to just say to your outside linebackers whoever it is going to be lining outs opposite of Alex Highsmith here's our game plan here are our play calls just run them just just follow the instructions
0: yeah and there, there
1: really is no room for creativity here there really is no room for for ingenuity here you so just, you just have to go by the playbook
0: so as far as the spy is concerned would you spy Devin Bush on Lamar Jackson? I mean, is he your fastest guy available I to think, you in your I, linebacking I, I court? think so. I guess so. Uh, he has he's, to be. he's the
1: fastest guy available to you that's not in the secondary. I,
0: I, I, yeah, you I, can't spy with Minka because he's going to have his own problems dealing with, you know, Hollywood Brown breaking free of James Pierre and trying to stop, <laughs> make sure that that doesn't go for a home run ball. Uh, Hollywood Brown, there. mark my words, Steelers fans, I don't know if he'll catch it and I don't know if he'll be wide open for it. There will be a ball thrown at least 40 to 50 yards down the field to Hollywood Brown at one point in this football game. They love to take a shot with him, and although it's not successful all the time, just there will be a hold-your-breath moment where Lamar's back there and he airs it out long. I, I promise you that. So... It's not like Minka can be coming up into the box and helping out with the spy because he's got to make sure that he's on his P's and Q's so that doesn't happen. So the what, top what doesn't are you gonna get do?
1: taken you're gonna, off. You're going to trust James Pierre after last week to cover him one-on-one?
0: Do you put in, like, a Miles Killebrew or a Carl Joseph into, like, a kind of hybrid linebacker safety kind of position? A lot of teams, when they play the Ravens, have put extra DBs on the field like that to try to match the speed that they have. Maybe you toy around with that a little bit. I, I'm under the—, the uh, guidelines of nothing is really going right, and it cannot really get much worse. So why not? Why not, why not try, try something different? Something, something. Because what's it going to do? It's going to fail miserably. It already is failing. That miserably. hasn't
1: happened yet so far, right? It already
0: is failing miserably. So what's the point if Carl Joseph fails miserably as opposed to Devin Bush fails miserably? I just It can't get much worse so i'm I'm willing to try some crazy things i'm willing to try some different packages some extra dbs and positions that you don't usually see dbs to try to get any kind of spark defensively going against this prolific lamar jackson rushing attack i'm right there with you tom it really can't get much worse i think
1: you hit rock bottom against the cincinnati Bengals. you can't hit rock bottom twice if you're already if Especially, like, right after you've hit it. You can climb back up a little bit, kind of like with the offensive line. You saw them hit rock bottom against the Bengals and the Raiders, and you saw them make some progress starting with the Packers. They beat up on the Broncos. Absolutely. And then the Browns, and then they hit rock bottom again. But you can't hit rock bottom back-to-back weeks. You're already down there. So you might as well just start trying to climb up with some type of of, of, – Different uh, Just a, a, any kind of different look Right?
0: Yeah Once You're In exactly rock Bottom There's No Lower To Go Thank you a Little Spongebob for you there Rock bottom Great, Great episode. episode One of the best episodes ever made uh, But Anyway I don't know how you spy Lamar. I I don't know how you stop him. But there's one more weapon we got to talk about that worries you. And if you're taking Devin Bush and spying him on Lamar, then are you putting Joe Schrobert on Mark Andrews? What do you do about that guy? Because that's their best weapon in the passing game. I think him and Hollywood Brown are almost simpatico as far as their stats are concerned. Tied for receptions. Hollywood Brown a little more targets, a couple more yards, one more touchdown. But they're basically 1A, 1B. And I worry more in this game for the Steelers about Mark Andrews, and that sounds stupid because, my God, have they been being beat by wide receivers sure. because of the secondary's problems and the injuries in the secondary lately. But there's no one who can cover tight ends of this caliber. I mean, they – Played Darren Waller earlier in the year, and I think they did a pretty decent job at stopping him. But However. I mean, does Devin Bush take, does Minka come up a lot more and try to take 89 out of things? I, I don't know how you stop that guy. He's the guy that I worry about. And if I was a fantasy football geek, daily fantasy sports, or if you have him in your lineup, I think you got a chance to have a big week out of Mark Andrews.
1: Absolutely. And let's not forget. You could say that every week, too. Let's though, not I mean. forget what happened when the Steelers went up against Darren Waller. Was a guy named, now this name is, has made some headlines, not so great, but Henry Ruggs wide open because Mika Fitzpatrick was nowhere Dealing near with him. Exactly. So does that mean if if you put Mika on Mark Andrews because we'll he a. Hollywood
0: Brown. See wide ya. Wide open. Wide open. You need Joe Hayden back in this game, desperately. Desperately. And. Just don't know if you're going to be able to get him back. That That is an injury that has really, really hurt the Steelers in the past Cost couple some times. problems. Yeah, the, the secondary is too thin to have people bump up and take on bigger roles. It's honestly a good secondary if everybody can play the roles that are designated and designed for them. But the second someone goes out and someone has to step into a more advanced role, I think it goes to hell in a handbasket real fast. And I think you've seen that, especially out of James Pierre when he had to step up and play – outside corner for the entire game against the Bengals, t higgins was just having a field day all day long. it was t- probably t higgins best day
1: on on the year i i haven't looked at his game log on on the 2021 year
0: but wouldn't shock me we talked about you know gotta make some changes on the defensive side of the ball and you know gotta try to plug some different guys in there because you can't get much worse same is to be said on the offense mm-hmm. and the same is to be said on the offensive line mm-hmm. there seems to be this if you're going to argue against the putting in Zach Banner, it's, well, you know, everybody's healthy. We're trying to build this continuity with the offensive line. And, well, maybe Banner's just not looking that great in practice. Maybe he's not any good and he shouldn't be playing anyway. That's all well and good. But at this point, again, how could it possibly get any worse by trying to bump Chukes to left tackle and put Banner in at right tackle? That was your plan at the beginning of the season before Banner got hurt. I don't understand why there's some hesitation to try to go back to it as if Dan Moore looks like the second coming of Anthony Munoz out there and has been playing outstanding football and, oh, you can't possibly take this guy out of the lineup. Like, that isn't the case in the slightest bit. I'm totally comfortable with putting Dan Moore on the bench and going with what you thought was going to be the uniform at the beginning of the season, but... For whatever reason, they're hesitant to put Banner in there significantly. And again, I just say he cannot be any worse because he can be really bad, but it would just be really bad equally to the level of play that we're seeing already. I don't even think it's going to be worse, though. I honestly think it'd be better. Like I don't that, honestly think it'd be better too, especially in the run game because he's a run grading, road he's grader kind of guy. Huge guy. Yeah.
1: I mean, much bigger than Dan Morris. Much bigger. I. <laughs> Why not put your if you're gonna run the ball, Tom? Why would you not put your biggest guys out there to create the most blocking surface area or, or surface space that you can? And
0: you gotta run the ball. I don't care yeah. that they're the number uh, two, Tom. You're gonna you're gonna bark up this tree again. You can't you can't avoid any other game plan, or you can't do a, a pass heavy game plan and expect to win just based on your personnel on the offensive side of the ball. I mean. Yeah, it makes sense, and if I was coaching a team that had a younger quarterback and some receivers that were actually catching the football and not talking off the field and causing distractions off the field, then I would probably pass the ball 70%, 75% in this football game because they can't stop it. It's just not the case for the Steelers. Will they pass the ball 70 75%? Probably. They pass the ball 63% of the time normally anyway. So I'm sure that that's the game plan that Canada is devising right now is a pass-heavy one, but that's a mistake. Even though that the Ravens can stop the run better than most in the NFL, I, I would just keep running the football and keep trying to run the football because what else can you possibly do on your own side of the ball that's going to be successful? I mean, you're not going to have the ability to pass all over the field when the Ravens aren't going to respect your pass and honestly aren't going to respect your run at all either? Uh, I don't think they're going to respect
1: anything, right? I mean, they, why would they? The The passing game is just not good enough, and the running game is so neglected by this own team that there's no reason for them to expect the Steelers. It's not going to be where the Steelers are saying, well, and I'm, I'm borrowing this from from Tim Benz, who, who loves to use this about when, talking about this team the the Pittsburgh Steelers saying well we think they're gonna do this and 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 because of that we're gonna do this and they and we know that they know that we know that they're gonna do this or want to do that while we do this it's just it's too much overthinking and I don't think the Steelers are gonna say well we know the Ravens don't want don't expect us to run and they don't know that we know that so we're gonna start running the ball now absolutely not there there is no there is no semblance of an
0: offense here There was no identity to this offense. Pat Frymuth left the game against the Bengals with a concussion late in that football game. His status up in the air, but he's been practicing this week. So it looks like he's going to clear concussion protocol and he's going to play. And that's good because the Ravens are absolutely abysmal at stopping opposing teams' tight ends. That's probably the area or the skill position area that the Ravens are least effective against with their defense. So got to have a healthy dose of Dose of Pat Fryermuth in this football game. Uh, obviously, we know there won't be any Eric Ebron. So, it's all on number 88 now at that position. Caught a touchdown against the Bengals. Uh, another, wor- another good one. Worst performance of the year was against the Lions, but he seemed to be able to shake that off decently against the Cincinnati Bengals. Going to need to have one of his best performances, I think. I don't think that was necessarily his fault either. Well, I'm just talking about the drop and the, the fumble. The fumble was well, tough, the Well, the, the fumble, but... Overall, he wasn't having draw passes. And yet. I I don't see, I mean, other than Najee Harris, obviously, who I just soliloquied on, you have to still run the ball even though it doesn't look like you can run the ball. I, I think Pat firemuth has got to have a healthy dosage in the game plan in this one, too, if sure. you want to have any kind of success. What good teams do is they identify the opposing team's weakness, weakness yep. and they attack that.
1: The problem is the Steelers don't do that. Steelers don't look at themselves and say, oh, we're going up against the 31st or 29th worst run defense against Detroit. Oh, Oh, no, the 32nd last in the league uh, defense against the run uh, uh, when we go against the Chargers. I think they're going to expect us to run, so maybe we should pass the ball instead. And then when we run the ball five times in the entire game, we'll do it really successfully. So – Yes, the, the formula is there, Tom. If you, if you want to, to penetrate this Baltimore defense, if you want to move the ball down the field, you want to pass the ball anyways, right? Let's, let's, let's not get it twisted here. The Steelers like to pass first. That's what they do. I don't know what the number is, but I'd love, to, I'd love to spend the time to look it up myself. The amount of times on any drive, no matter where it is, in the middle of the game, opening drive in the first half, opening drive in the second half, first down, amount of times they've gone with the pass versus the run I'd love to know those I'd, I'd love to know those splits they're a pass first team pass it to pass it to Pat Firemuth.
0: yeah if you're gonna pass the ball a lot which I absolutely despise at least throw it to the right people throw it to Firemuth. I'm interested to see how Deontay Johnson handles this game too because Marlon Humphrey more so than a lot of defensive backs in the NFL follows number ones on all sides of the field and. He'll even follow the number one receiver into the slot, which is something that not any real defensive back or outside cornerbacks do. But Humphrey is one of the best in the NFL for a reason, and that's one of the many reasons why. And I'm interested to see because I I guarantee you they're going to look at film and they're going to say, all right, Humphrey, 18's your guy. That's the number one receiver. I was going to ask you, do you think they assign him to 18 or 11? (laughs) I think it'd be a godsend for the Steelers if they assigned him to 11 and just took 11 out of the game because – Well, then there you go. There then was no Anthony Marcus Averitt's got to take Opposite Johnson.
1: Marlon Humphrey. So if is going to be guarded, Chase Claypool, you got to step up.
0: Yeah, Anthony Everett will most likely be on Chase Claypool. He's got two interceptions on the year. He's the guy that slid into that Marcus Peters role. But I don't have confidence in number 11 being able to step up against a lesser – I'm glad right you, that I was gonna go. I was gonna say that if you didn't. Very disappointing so far this year from Chase Claypool. The sophomore season after his 12 touchdown performances, rookie year has been really, really forgettable and downright embarrassing at times because of the things he said off the field and some of the penalty. He's the most penalized Pittsburgh Steeler. He's a wide receiver. I think he's the most penalized receiver in the league. Probably, if he's the most penalized on a single football team, I'd imagine he's the most penalized at that position in the league. But and I mean, last year, Todd, how are you getting more penalties than linemen who hold? Like, how is that possible? Todd, False starts. How are you doing that?
1: Last year, what was a huge asset to his game was his ability to draw penalties, right? He Pass interferences. To, exactly. He was able to go down the field and get yardage, but not catch the ball. But the old Joe to,
0: Flacco. Exactly. He, he was so good at doing that. Where did that go? Well, not only that, he was really good at Notre Dame at combat catches, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, his size was like he was a tight end, but he had the speed of a wide receiver. He created so many mismatches in now, college. Now,
1: this year at least, you get one combat catch to every five. Every five
0: he, he drops. Every five he does. You play. actually saw that in the Ravens game where he dropped the first one, then he came back. on The, the well, Bengals the game, fir- yeah. The Bengals game, sorry. The first one, he ran the wrong route, and it got picked got off. Got picked off. And the second one, he it's the same exact play. He runs the right route, turns makes a combat catch on the back shoulder, but then he turns around later in the game and he drops a couple more passes. So it's such an up-and-down kind of performance from Claypool. The guy, what's extra frustrating to me about him is all the talent in the world, the skill set checks the box for an All-Pro. Size, speed, skill, hands. Should be great. But you wonder if his focus is there, and I think it's fair to actually bring that up now because... I mean, he, he said they should play music and practice. That's Buddy,
1: do you know what team you play for? That's
0: indicative of not focusing at, at, all. at all. So I, I think it's fair to question the focus in Chase Claypool and the want to in Chase Claypool to get to that kind of a level. I think you see a lot of want to out of Deontay Johnson. Mm-hmm. Dude led the league in drops last year. Now he's one of the most sure-handed receivers in all of football. Because
1: other, other he went than, to the lab and worked. Other than his comments about the actual game, have you heard – anything deontay johnson related off the field distraction
0: no only time i hear deontay johnson talk is when they make him talk in post-game press conferences like i don't even see hear from during the week week really at all ever because and of course reporters aren't allowed in the locker room like they used to so that's why you don't hear from these players as much as they usually do but no this dude's a guy that strikes me as i'm gonna play football i'm a football player and i just don't know if chase claypool puts football first in his life i Wonder if he puts the lifestyle first, and you that's, gotta wonder too. That's, that's upsetting. With
1: Juju sidelined for the entire year, do you think? And I and I hate to disparage either of these guys too harshly, but with Juju not being able to play football, where does football rank in his priority day to
0: day? I don't know, but the thing I, I've said, I said this about Juju. I think last night on Countdown to Kickoff too is. At least he's been there and done that. Like, at least with his antics, he played hard every single Sunday. Do you remember Juju dropping a ball much? No. No. Always fights for extra yardage, right, every single Sunday? Sure. If he's going to lay a block, he's going to lay a block. You know, he's not going to shy away from blocking for his running game. And he had an 1,000-yard season and went to a Pro Bowl his rookie year.
1: And then did it again the next year.
0: So, like, Juju's been there, done that in this league, and even with all the antics off the field that really, really annoyed me, I knew on Sundays if you threw the ball to him on third and five, he was going to catch it and probably move the sticks. It's 50-50 when you throw the ball up to Chase Claypool right now. Who knows? Is it even 50-50? It might even get picked off, as we saw, against the Cincinnati Bengals. So that's where I think I get a little more extra frustrated at Chase than I do Juju because at least – and I can't believe I'm saying that – but at least with Juju there was some tangible on-the-field production that he brought to the table – Granted, it had taken a drop-off in the past couple years, but still, like I said, I knew he wasn't going to drop a ball. And honestly, I feel comfortable saying he probably wouldn't be trash-talking Bengals receivers when they were down by 30 points.
1: I mean, he's done it. <laughs> right? Juju? Well, not not to the, the Bengals. I don't least... know if he's
0: ever gotten blown out by that much in his career as a Steeler so far.
1: Uh... You don't remember the wild card game against the Browns?
0: Okay, well, that one obviously is— When he was doing his little TikTok dance while they were lining up and— Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. I take back everything I said about Juju. He's a scumbag. He's not a no, scumbag, but
1: he's—that's why I brought his name up, Thomas, because with him not even being able to play, we saw the distractions last year when he was playing. Do you think it's—we it's, it's we, we talked about a lot in the offseason and during the 2020 regular season— the, the influence he has over Claypool, right? The influence he has over that wide Good receiver point. room because he's the oldest one in The it. veteran. Without him playing football, I can't imagine he's spending much time thinking about the game in meetings. Whenever he's spending time with Chase Claypool, I have to imagine it's
0: unfootball related non-football-related time spent together. Well, Chase Claypool, to kind of put a bow on it, better wake up in this game because – I think 18 is going to have a lot of trouble getting open. So it's your show, Claypool. You have the the you have the better matchup. Time to go out there and perform because the Steelers desperately need to get this win and you desperately need to be a part of it if the offense is going to have any kind of success. That'll do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Always grateful for you guys giving us a listen. For Jacob Brecht, I'm Tom Offerman, and we'll talk to you next time.